One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is a CC Radio podcast. It was just the most massive thing I've ever seen. I, to tell you the honest truth, I thought, well, we're the only ones left on this planet. Something's happened. We've missed something here. The fear that went in me when I seen it was just, um, like, the feeling. I'd say it was fear, but I've never felt that feeling before in my entire life. It's a weird feeling. Like, you can't explain it when you don't know. You feel like you're being followed, but you don't know what it is. We had two to our right, another one in front of us, another one to the left, and another one just across the road, shaking the daylight down the tree. All we get was a big red eye. I remember waking up and looking at the end of the bed, and there was a figure there, almost insect-like, and then I blacked out. Welcome to the show, everyone. You are listening to Believe, Paranormal and UFO Radio. My name is Cade Moyer, and thanks for tuning in. If you've had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au or you can message me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash believe UFO radio. If you enjoy this episode, there are a few things you can do to help the show. Firstly, you can go to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and review or you can share the show around social media with your friends and family and that will help us grow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. You are watching Believe the live stream, and tonight is a very, very special episode because I am joined by two very fascinating people who have been out doing the fantastic work over at AYR Australian Yowie Research, and they have been really putting in the hard yards these are uh, these last couple of months, and they've really started to to reap their rewards. So. I'm going to get these gentlemen on the show right away. Tonight, I'm joined by Gary and Buck, both from AYR. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It is fantastic to have you on, guys. So I'm going to give you both a really softball answer to, to start tonight's proceedings with and basically ask you, how did you get into the into the research field for and looking for Yowies? Gary, I'll start with you, mate. For sure, mate. So, yeah, I've, I've always been interested in uh, paranormal topics, paranormal subjects most of my life, uh, pretty much since I could think about it and communicate about it and have conversations about it. I've always been very interested in this subject. And it's just snowball from there. So, be it ghosts or ETs or now Yowies plus Bigfoot, um, I've been interested heavily in Yowies for the last six or seven years. And along with Dean for the ride with Buck for the last couple of years, two years or so. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And now, uh, Gary, you actually feature on an episode of Believe uh, quite early in the piece where you had a uh, an encounter on the Queensland border, I believe. I did out at Mount Lindsay there on the Queensland New South Wales border uh, where a mate and I got screamed at. We got hit with possible infrasound and we had three of these beings coming in from three different directions. And when we were screamed at, that was roughly about 10 metres behind us, uh, behind a big wall of Lantana. So very, very close. And we could hear this being stomping around the time. And um, that kicked it off. And from there, it's just all an arse down a train track. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those types of encounters that just sticks with you and you kind of get bitten by the bug, so to say, and, and now you're, you're one of the key researchers down at AYR, which is fantastic. Let's head over to you, Buck. How did you get started into, I guess, into the, in the world of Yowies and in the research side of things? Um, it's, it, you know, it's a long story. We've always had a, uh, a genesis of, if you're looking at your, your backstory is that something happened to us. And, uh, like when I was young, I think a lot of people know I went out running one night. I was trying to build up muscles to impress a girl, didn't get the girl, but I, I do cross country running at night at a place called Lake Samson Bell. And, uh, an area called Forgan Cove, I heard footsteps behind me and I thought that they were my own footsteps. And when I decided I'd just check that, like I stopped suddenly, I just heard a pad behind me. And that was it. I, I took off. I was just in fear of my life and I ran up a hill and the dogs went burko up on top of the hill. Now, that's nothing, you know, uh, in context, but then there were, also, these other incidents of high strangeness uh, in that area. And the next one that occurred was quite frightening. And not, I wasn't in any danger, but it was just frightening. I was 18 months later with my best friend. He's got his car license. So he's just hooning around. And we have to get back at 10 o'clock or he will be grounded. Now, there's five people in the car. And we're on the same uh, stretch of road, but it's down near an area called Bullocky's Rest. And he said, I've got to get the car back. So he stops and he does a U-turn to go back towards Young's Crossing Road. And as the lights swing out across the dam, I see this big, uh, it looked like a termite mound, uh, just plonked by the side of the road. And I've never seen that before. I go down there all the time. And as it went past, it stood up and I went, what's that? And he stopped the car and said, what's what? And this thing just walked behind this Datton 180B and it blocked out the rear windscreen and the whole cabin filled with a stench of rotting garbage. It was just disgusting smell. And we were banging on the seats going, go, go, go. And they hadn't seen anything, but I was in the back with um, two of my good friends and they were sisters and we were just uh, pounding on the back of the headdress going, go, go, go. And uh, the younger sister on, on my right-hand side, she just buried her head in her hands in her lap and was just screaming the eyes, the eyes, as we took off. Now, I, I didn't know what that was. None of us knew. We kept saying, what about the eyes? And then we were shut down by the older sister going, she's freaked out, leave her alone. And this also then couples in with another story just around the corner at Lake Kawamba where uh, some acquaintances were camping. And I got to hear this story through at my best friend's house. His, his brother's girlfriend was saying, what do you think of this, Buck? I said, what? And she said, uh, my brothers came home camping with their cousins and they were all upset, something came out and went, what? And she said her brother went off to answer the call of nature and then he looked up and he just saw this great big hairy creature. It was about eight foot tall and it walked towards him with glowing red eyes. And he walked backwards into the fire. Everybody saw it and they left. And they, they just tipped up at the house and they were in such a state. 
that the men folk, uncles and brothers and fathers said, we'll go sort this fellow out. Well, they went down there and they're told by the kids that all they saw when they left were a pair of giant hairy legs walking around the fire. When they got there, the, everything was uh, in a disarray and there was big uh, giant footsteps around the fire in the ash and sand and they thought, well, we'll come back in the morning and we will take some plastic and when they came back in the morning, all of that was swept clear and the tent was folded up neatly and they thought that maybe one of the parents had decided this is too much, we're not going any further and he'd come back early and just wiped everything clean. Now, that just stuck with me uh, along with a couple of other things that happened with friends. It wasn't until I stumbled on to Dean Harrison's um, website. Hi, Dean. Um, shout out to Dean. Uh, that it all made a lot of sense. It all made a lot of sense. And um, I just got involved by going on the forum and I decided I'd try and do my own little expedition. So there's one particular uh, encounter with Jason Garlick and he was on Table Lands Road. So I took myself off there and uh, a month later, Dean said he wanted to go to that road online. Did anyone want to join him? I said, yes, I do. And so that's how I got involved back in 2005. It was from those early things that happened to me that I wanted answers. Well, I'm still going, I'm still searching for answers, and I'm waiting to have Gary's experience of screaming at me because mine would be quiet. Very, very loud. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, both of you have had quite profound uh, experiences with Yowies before going into the field, and... I think that's something that that's really important that these encounters really didn't scare you out from wanting to find out more about them because like, let's have a talk about your encounter there, Gary, yours sounded like it was, you know, very, very aggressive to the point that, you know, it was stamping the ground, screaming at you and your mate to, to really get out of those locations and for you to kind of just hold your, hold your nerve and, and your steel and continue to want to go out into the, into the bush, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big leap. I'm not, not a lot of people do that. You know, I've spoken and, and, and yourselves, you know, you've probably spoken to way more people, let's be honest about Yowie encounters. And you probably find a good, good chunk of those people who have these encounters don't want to go back out into the bush or anything like that. Yeah. Craig, man, I mean, like I'd be lying if I, if I sort of didn't get scared. Yes, I do get scared. Uh, but there is an element of control about it as well. And probably for the most part, it's more a, a, a very nervous excitement when, when these instances do occur. So, yes, when we got screamed at, it was the loudest thing I'd ever heard. And from 10 metres away, something with such a such a, a, a lung capacity and such a volume, it, it, it rattles the bones. Like you actually feel like when, when, when you're at a concert and the, the, the sound vibrations hit you in the chest. It's exactly like that. Um, the only problem is, like, it, the scream basically goes from a very deep, like, guttural sound, like a, like, a, like a death metal vocalist, and then very, very quickly it gets very, very high-pitched. Uh, but the volume is, is something that you just can't describe unless you you experience that yourself. Uh, yes, I hold my nerve, uh, but obviously it takes a lot of courage to stand there and, cop it and see what else happens. Uh, there, there are times when we, we've been out in the field with Bark and Dean 
um, where you do you just like hear something massive, a big big branch snap right behind you, and you just want to run, but you hold your nerve. And the good the good thing about with, with these new thermal cameras as well, because obviously sometimes when there is something heavy in the bush, like some of these roos, as you know, do get quite big. And with these new thermal cameras, you can turn around and say, well, it's just a big root. Um, other times, as we, we, we now know uh, twice now, um, they're not roos. Um, for example, like when we captured the first thermals, which is on the same ridge line that Buck with his thermals, which is which is basically what, what, what kicked off us venturing out for a night expedition on this particular ridge. So they, they, those thermals, like so that night that I got those thermals, it sounded like a bulldozer coming down the hill. Uh, very, very low heat signature. Couldn't really see too much because basically with multiple beings coming down on all, all fours, and as 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 uh, you, you've seen in those pictures, like the the shoulders are quite quite hot, quite, quite hot from moving around from going down all fours. Which on this same ridge line, we have found knuckle impressions in the ground as well. So when, when these beings come down, as I said, it's like a big bulldozer that pushes through the bush. Now, once you realise what it is, yes, the nerves kick in, the adrenaline kicks in, your legs shake a bit. Uh, pretty much like for, the, for, the, for the first time that you, that you actually see one, like yes, you you find the footprints, you hear the growls, you you see the trees, the tree the tree structures, the the stick symbols, the X markers, that kind of thing. And you, you've been screamed at from ten meters away, and that's that's profound in itself. But when you actually see these beings come down and actually watch them through the thermal camera, it's like a a, a sense of reality kicks you in the butt. Like yes, these these beings actually are one thousand percent legitimate. You weren't hearing things when you got screamed at. These eighteen-inch footprints do belong to something. Something is making these big tree structures, so it is a very it, it, it's it's a case of a very nervous excitement where you can hold your ground, hold your courage, and do the best you can, really. Yeah, that, that that's exactly how tourists get eaten by lions. Because they're just looking through a camera, going, "Yeah, that's great, chomp." Oh. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Here we are. So. Yeah, it's it's an odd feeling being out there because it's pitch black, and we prefer to go out. And we've said on a number of years uh, now that we use red light. Team uh, had rightly suggested that we start using white light, and giving away our you know our positions, and just if we need any light, it's just a low red light down by our feet, just so we're not tripping over and um, hurting ourselves, dropping the expensive equipment, or you know making extraneous sound so we move about quietly and as silently as we can Dean's actually the quietest uh, I'm, I'm just I will trip over something <laughs> to just ruin it but um, yeah it's it's certainly a feeling when you're out there going what the hell am I doing you know it's nine degrees I'm freezing uh, I, I hope I see something but more often than not we've all got the uh, extra cameras it's been uh, relegated to um, uh, tree breaks and footprints and stuff that is really hard to show people uh, outside of the experience. But the heat signatures, they can't outrun light and they certainly admit it in terms of um, their own body heat and we've, we've captured that 
so we just had to push on and get finer and finer uh, details to uh, you know, present a body of evidence that people run out of excuses to refute. Yeah, it's it's truly fascinating because I always wonder what the the process is for you guys because I I have this weird weird brain like I I think about the situations probably a little bit differently to to how it um I don't know maybe how you guys would do it because I don't know is there a is there a uh like a checklist of things that you guys do before every time that you go out like it's all right when we when we do this we do that we do this what what's the what's the process behind that because it's um it's it's really interesting something happened that we need a um an evac you know like someone breaks a leg or gets bitten by a snake you know because there's plenty of them out there so there's lots of equipment checklists that are done gary and dean will uh put their heads together and work out the best uh, areas to enter into for you know an overnight expedition and that's uh, gary is like a mountain so he's herring up and down uh you know hill and dale trying to find the most active areas um, so because we're trying to create this intersect and it's the intersect of where this creature will cross your path and if you're lucky enough you'll see it again like um when i got that heat vision i hadn't had anything like that since i was 16 and so I've been longing to have these encounters where I can look at it and uh, be closer to finding some answers. And this is the best way to do it, is getting out in the field and Gary and Dean do the hard yards. That's exactly right, mate. When, when, when you say, are oh, there protocols and checklists that we go by, the number one checklist that Dean will tell you is never forget your radio. Good radio. <laughs> is if you do go out of these places, and some of these places are extremely remote, and what people don't understand is some of these places we go to are that thick and we actually make our own way through the bush. So it literally is us pushing for hours and hours, pushing our own way through the bush to get to these locations. There's no trails, no tracks. There's no ranger trails, no fire trails. It's literally us pushing through the bush. And when you're in these, these certain situations... And sometimes you do split up, like, say, for example, if you see something interesting to the right, one of us may disappear off to the right for a little bit just to check something out. So the key point is, yes, never forget your radio. Uh, Protocols, aren't they, to get to camp, uh, Once, obviously once we've, we've established a, a campsite, uh, get camp set up, obviously first thing to do, so that's done, ready to go, nothing to worry about, be that tables, hammocks, whatever we're doing. And then once we've done that, then we'll go off with our radios in generally three or four different directions just while, while there's still daylight and have a bit of a scout around and see what we can find within the immediate area. And when I say the immediate area, sometimes that could be 100 metres, sometimes that could be half a kilometre down into the bush or down a trail that we do find. And once we've done this, we have a protocol that we just basically sit, sit or just be by ourselves for say half an hour or so. And the reason for that is to, to put it bluntly, to become one with the bush. Because as, as we all do, we, we, we all live in cities and that kind of thing. Most of us do, we're all uh, just, just outside of cities. Um, but there's still lots of hustle and bustle and cars and buses and trucks, that kind of thing. 
bikes and whatever. So our, ear, our ears obviously get tuned into those kind of sounds and those kind of surroundings. So when we go to the bush, we go for half an hour or so by ourselves, alone, not together for the most part, and it's just a case of tuning into the bush. And after about 20, 25 minutes or so, you'll start to notice your, your hearing gets better, your smell gets better, your eyesight gets better, because you're basically just, you're, you're tuning in, into your surroundings, basically like, 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 like uh, fine, fine-tuning the, the home theatre on, on your stereo at home to get, to get that that yeah. So once we've done that, we then come back to camp, collaborate, have a bit of a chat amongst ourselves, a bit of a joke, a bit of serious talk, and establish the protocols for not what we're going to do, who we're going to partner up with, how far we're going to go, where are you going to go, did you see anything of interest? And once we sort of establish these sort of things, um, the, these days, from what, what I have noticed uh, since, since joining these guys, is that now that we've, we have these 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 points established. Things just kind of get on a roll. We, we don't even we don't even talk about. It, we don't even think about it. We just get there, bang, 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 and we're automatically doing these protocols that Dean set out, uh, which again includes, like Buck said, with, with with the white, white versus red light. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Also, are you wanting more content? Why not become a Believe Plus member? You'll get access to exclusive podcasts and episodes that aren't available to the public. Not only that, you'll also get our regular feed without any ads. Head to believepod.com forward slash plus to sign up today for just $5 a month. So protocols are in place. We um we kind of established that there. So what's the... I, I was really liking the conversation, how you're saying that you were going um, more so like connecting into nature as well there. So do you think that's a really strong point to, to getting you guys that little bit closer to these creatures? Very much so, mate. And the thing is what... What a lot of people don't understand or may not realise is that this whole process is about it's about communication and putting out your intention into the forest or into the bush. Um, regardless of what people people's beliefs beliefs are, we are we are all energy and energy flows through through everything. So once you can get there, ground yourself and put out that positive intention of peaceful contact, uh, things seem to progress not not every night but things seem to progress in a, in a lot more positive manner uh, because we are every single one of us is putting out a positive intention we, we are not there to to cause a disruption we're not there to cause issues we're not there breaking things any rubbish that we take with us uh, sorry every any any rubbish or anything like that that we take it goes back out with us nothing is left there. No, no disrespect to the area or to the forest, basically. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic because you you really are you really are integrating into there. You, you're becoming part of it, and you know it's obviously having these tremendous results for you guys because it almost seems I don't want to say like every time you're going out you're finding something, but 
you know, it's, it's, you're, you're getting more hits than misses, which is really outstanding when it comes to this type of thing. For sure. Well, I mean, what, what people don't realise as well, the, the amount of hours that, that, that are put into this research and the, the, the lengths that we go to, when, when, when people use that, 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 that term, blood, sweat, tears, apart from the tears, there literally is blood and sweat that goes into this. And with, with you say, the expedition videos, uh, people may watch a 20-minute video or a half-an-hour video, but what they don't realise is that that 20-minute video consists of up to 10 hours of pushing your way through the bush. And for the most part, a good a good 80% of it is, again, making our own way through the bush. So, the, again, there's no trails, nothing like that. It's, it's blood and sweat from climbing over waterfalls, climbing over fallen trees, going up inclines, declines, lantana, on our hands and knees. Well, it, it, it literally is putting in the hard yard. So... No, it's 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 not it's not a case of we just go out and get lucky. There are a lot of hours and a lot of expense, um, money wise and and physical expense that that do go into this research. Yeah, definitely, and that's I think that's a really big thing that people overlook. It says that um the the amount of I guess man hours and cost that goes into each of these expeditions is actually quite monstrous because they. Maybe they don't realize the fact that these things don't just happen for free. You know, the services that we do, they're, they're not for free. You know, making podcasts isn't free and doing what you guys do isn't free either. It's everything has a, a cost attached to that, whether that be time, whether that be an actual monetary value. And the yeah. that's the difference that you guys do is that you actually invest into it, not just your time, but the gear and everything. To try. And, you know, maybe training isn't the right word, but I... I genuinely feel like every time you guys are going out there, you're training for the next the next find. Yeah, I mean, like it's that's exactly right. And we, like, again, as you said, we are self funded. Uh, we can't make money from this. It'd be great if we could, but we can't. So we we all have day jobs. So when we are going off only to our day jobs, these day jobs are paying for the fuel, for the food, and for whatever other expenses that that we need to put into this into our research and into our expedition days. Um, so when <laughs> when uh, when people see us actually out there carrying all this gear, like, so in the location where Buck caught these amazing thermals, we had this massive cart full of all of our gear, tables, bags, hammocks, all the camera gear, and all of that, again, is self-funded. And then on top of that, you then got the physical, the the physical outcome of dragging this stuff up mountains and that kind of stuff and setting up. Uh, so yeah, there, there, there's a, there's a lot that goes into this into this topic that people don't understand or don't realise. Um, not anything against those people um, because obviously all, all, all of our follow, followers and your followers and uh, other, other people that follow you say um, uh, uh, Sarah's channel. Uh, yeah, yeah, essential. Everyone, everyone, um, they stay, they see the good stuff. They might see a few photos of what we've gone through, but they don't see the hours and hours of grueling physical outcome or what we've just spent $400 on here or $100 there or 20 bucks there. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Well, <clears throat> what we might do, mate, is how about we roll this footage because I've got a couple of questions about it because this is. Honestly, guys, this is probably one of the most credible pieces of evidence when it comes to 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 Yowie, to Bigfoot, the Sasquatch, ever. 
So what we might do is we might just roll a little bit of this clip and uh, see if we can uh, get it to work. So we are just playing it through from the um, the AYR YouTube channel here. And basically, it's just kind of flicking through what you initially found here, Buck. So are you able to walk us through what was going on here? This is at the end of a 20-minute clip. So the uh, preceding event went like this. Uh, we had the protocols. We met. Gary gave me a rundown on the thermal unit. And I went uh, between 80 and 100 metres away from camp. And there's a crest. There's this ridge where there's this big log. And I was uh, scoping around. I hadn't seen anything. I had no heat signatures at all. And then I saw something behind a tree. This isn't it, but this is what sparked it off. And it looked like uh, a set of hands way down low and a head peering behind it. And it it felt like something was scoping and glimpsing in a race. I radioed uh, the boys and I told them what was happening, that I think I was onto something. And I said I'd bring it back, and I didn't. And so what I did was I kept that film going until you saw that earlier bit where there was something behind a stump. And that stump was really curious, but I couldn't see exactly what it was, so I decided to zoom in. And this footage that you're seeing now is the two stars of the show. Now, they came out of a big stand of foliage. I'd lost the heat signature, and then I picked something coming up through it. I couldn't even find the stump. Uh, because I zoomed in so tight. And then uh, as it's filling up my viewfinder, you'll notice that uh, there are a whole bunch of uh, filters that are flicked through because this unit, if you're not using the app, and I wasn't that night, the buttons have different assignments, so I needed to stop to zoom out. So when I thought I needed to zoom out because they were, uh, I thought I was missing it, I just rolled through these uh, colourful filters like that, like that one there, and then there'll be another one. So Dean's kindly slowed this down for analysis, and you can see there that's one of the uh, frames that we've pulled that show this amazing hulking brute of a creature with a sloping forehead, and, uh, you know, kind of a muzzle. Now, all of that has been gleaned from those few seconds that we got those frames now, most frames, like when you're videoing, you're like 25, 24 to 30 frames a second. So there's not that many. Um, but here we are looking at a great profile and I guess at one stage a front arm uh, of the creature. And um, what's, what's done me was the actual brightness of the, the heat signature. I expected them to be more like animals that I've seen in the bush, that their fur... Uh, presents a uh, gradation or some type of mottling. And you can see where their eyes are, you can see where their feet are, anywhere that's exposed. But this was so bright and so hot that we kind of reasoned, well, I did. I went, well, if if they're that huge, their body mass must just be enormous and they're just glowing uh, like coals in the fire. So that one is showing uh, black is the hottest uh, colour. So that was uh, one of the filters I was flicking through and when I was making my error trying to zoom back out it bends down twice and picks up something and there's um, we looked back there well Dean and Gary did they couldn't find anything and 
And, you know, we're going without putting something down, picking something up. Some people have jokingly said they were going to lob a rock at me. I would have loved that. That would have been fantastic. But, yeah, look at that. That is huge. That is. Now, Gary's a big unit, but he's not that big. And, um, again, uh, when I was looking through the camera, I couldn't kind of wrap my head around what I was seeing at that moment. It wasn't until back when we went and reviewed everything, we went, oh, wow, there's two, because um, it, I thought it was throwing an arm behind itself, but it wasn't until we got that footage out of the camera onto the iPhone and could slow it down, scrub it backwards and forwards, we could see what was happening. Also, too, I was a lot closer than the images that... Um, uh, Gary had Gary had a really hard time because they were much further away than I was, and he had to hold it steady. So um, we got closer, and it's through this collective work that we do trying to get us closer to get uh, evidence like this to present to people. Yeah, it's it's truly fascinating stuff, and you know in in situations like that the the mind really has to wonder what do you do in a situation like that because you know you you gentlemen are, are very um seasoned you know when it comes to this stuff and you know you're out there purposely looking for this essentially what's the the thought process going through your mind because you know you're out looking for yowies you see something like this do do you go geez is this what we're looking for um, for me, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same for Dean and other people with a camera in their hand, we've interviewed so many people that have said, I had a camera in my bag, I had a camera. One guy we had had the most incredible daylight uh, encounter up at Bellwood Grove. He's not expecting these things. He's not ready to look for these things. He just happened to go. He had two cameras, two phones in his front pocket, and all he could do was run. So if I'm going to be in that situation where I was um, nearly two months ago, I'm not running uh, that's probably foolhardy of me, but I'm also there because I want to be there. I really want to be there, but Gary wants to be there. Like Dean desperately wants to be there. He's always going, when can we go, when can we go? And um, uh, so there's no point in going to all that effort to have all that equipment that Dean's kindly provided and upgraded over the years to not use it. And we're just happy to be able to present something other than kangaroos. And these cameras are great. They'll film microbats flying through uh, through the uh, forest. You'll see owls, you'll see birds. And they take the guesswork out of uh, what's going on. I thought I was hearing something approaching the other night. Great kathamp, kathamp. It turned out to be this uh, injured wallaby that had like half a tail missing. And while that was sad, he was doing his wallaby thing and getting around, but his jump uh, really made you, your ears prick up and go, what's that? Now, without the camera, you could wrongly assume you had um, the hairy man uh, at your six and you could walk away and just say, oh, they're there. This way you can say no. I'd rather say no a hundred times than uh, just mislead people. So, And I'm the worst person. When I got back to camp, I went, Gary, give me a heat signature. Dean, give me your heat signature. No, you, you, you're way too tall for this. <laughs> but, yeah, so we will scrutinise what we do. 
uh, over and over again to um, uh, come up with the most uh, logical answers. We were after that and we got it. But I will say I did not know they were there um, other than a couple of early heat signatures. I could have just as well been looking on the other side of the track. So there's, there's a lot of design to get us there, but there's also this incredible element of luck where I just happened to be looking at the right place and then I was a complete liar. I said, yeah, I'll come back and show it to you. And then it just stayed out and stayed down. And I got more and more. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that people are actually asking in the in the comments because this is a, a live stream for those who who maybe listen to the audio only. And they they want to know like, was this luck? Like, was this did you did you sneak up on them or, or anything like that? By the sounds of it, like you couldn't hear them, you couldn't smell them, like you couldn't sense that they were there apart from you know, you panned and you kind of hit the jackpot. Well, Garen Dean, Garen Dean had a fair idea that there was activity going there by doing the hard yards and going, there's all this crazy stick activity there. And I have to be honest, I'd go, okay, yeah, you know, um, I'd like to see it for myself. And when I, you know, saw it, go, that is curious. Um, and they found a lot of it within that, uh, I don't know, three, 400 metre stretch, like lots of it. You know, that's impossible for it to all be just falling out of the sky from uh, trees. It just doesn't work that way. Some of the sticks that Gary showed me are tiny. They're this big. They can't even break the leaf litter. How do they get jammed in the ground? Something with hands. And where we're going, it's unlikely that people are doing that. And then, of course, the um, the chair on top of the hairy man cake that we got was uh, – I sent you some uh, – stills earlier of Gary coming backwards and forwards to me, bringing me a chair because I've been on my feet for nearly seven hours. And he's walking through this area where the next morning, to our amazement, with these giant sticks jammed in the ground, blocking away an X marker by this log where I'd been filming most of the night and this weird little circular glyph that was on the ground, it was flat, and then another one that looked like a broken four that was pointing in the bush, or well, that was an interpretation. So suddenly Stickland lived up to its name and I was the, the latest convert. It it would be incredibly, I don't know if, if like reassuring is the right word that I'm, I'm looking for here, but to to see that the night before and then the next day to to see this this really known yowie trait to continue around the campsite that will kind of just be dotting the i's and and crossing the t's on what you really saw then yeah we we've been back a few times and you know naturally we really want to make lightning strike twice and we had a curious incident which was kind of a take home for me something happened very early on uh and i was radioing dean and gary frantically going what's your position um, uh, like we just left camp and something crossed over uh, from behind some plant machinery which was put up there to clear the tracks and went off into the bush and I, I should have just been filming I should it should shoot first ask questions <laughs> later <laughs> but more recently we went back and this great antenna stand that you've seen some of the photos is now flattened it's like uh, something's just rolled in there like there's at least two acres. Would you say, Gary, you've just flattened the antenna? 
Not cut. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's like you've, you've got the trail and then you've got, you've got a thick line of bush and then behind that is like another big open area that goes probably a good 60, 70 metres all the way through the back there. So, guys, I uh, I want to ask you, do you do you feel comfortable answering some questions from the uh, from the listeners? Sure, sure. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I, I would just say, uh, just, just before we do that, um, when with, with, with the question about um, like with, 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 with does oh, yeah, how lucky we get wanting 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 lightning to strike twice when we go to these areas, it's not a case of we get a, we we get a pin just drop, drop a pin in the map and we'll just gather and see what happens. As as Buck said, there are many many hours of interaction, deciding an area, researching an area, and looking for tracks, looking for any, any kind of sign before we actually decide to go to that area. So, for example, with this particular ridge line, yes, I've got my thermals, but, that, but this all started off on people would have seen when we went kayaking um, over a certain area and we got Ice Shine, um, Buck and another guy, Tony, actually actually sighted something, move up, up, up in the bushes. Uh, three, three of us saw green ice shine from probably 150 metres away. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. when, when we finished that night, it also including finding trackway and I think it was four prints, um, the end of that night, which would, which would be in the morning, uh, which would be about 4, 4.30 in the morning, which um, that's when we're taking the kayaks back to my van and Dean got growled at, which is the same location that I got my thermals. So, again, we use that information. We, we look for any kind of signs, any kind of trackways, tracks, track impressions, um, strange stick structures, stuff like that. So when, when we do decide on an area, it's, again, it's not a case of drop a pin in a map and see what happens. There are many hours of re- actual research and looking for what we're trying to find before we actually decide on, on, on those areas. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it really is a testament to all the work that you guys do that, you know, you're not kind of just picking places for the sake of picking places you know there's you know decades of research that goes into every decision that you guys are making and the the collective history between you know everyone on that ayr team would be so incredibly valuable to to any other type of organization that's out there that's you know in your field um and you know there's that they could probably learn a lot of things from you guys because I'm sure there's things that you've learned that will probably blow the minds of a lot of Bigfoot researchers, you know, over in the States and and things like that. I'll ask, I'll ask a question which will probably be asked straight away, and that is Gary and I and Dean will know, um, is people will say, how come you don't use game trail cameras? That'll be one of the first questions that's uh, asked of us and. The reason behind that is, uh, in terms of our experiences, particularly Dean's, is that they've used that equipment before. So in terms of learning from us, people say, you need to get out there with game uh, uh, cameras. That's been done, and it's yielded zero results. And the reason for that is we believe that they can possibly detect the infrared coming off it just because that uh, in areas of high activity they've placed a camera and it's being there ready to capture the subject coming through well-known trail, and then all activity ceases. And then what happens after that is uh, another trail will start off earlier and branch out and come behind the unit, come behind the um, game camera, 
So we can only assume, and it is assumed because one's not in front of us, that they can detect it. And that's happened um, uh, numerous times. Dean's got a shelf full of old uh, game cameras if you want to get uh, pictures of kangaroos and cockatoos. But no, yeah. Well, well a, a quick answer to that is if you have these beings coming up to a property and you don't like it and you want them to go away, put up child cameras. These are yeah. Yeah, right. An- Anti Yowie spray, hey? There you go. <laughs> so we've got a really great question here, and this comes in from Lisa Rawson. So I'm going to try to put this up on the screen because Buck, you actually touched on this earlier um, about kind of like the high strangeness that kind of goes around with a Yowie encounter. And um, her question is: Do you feel that there's a link between um, Yowie and UFOs with all their research? I think there's a, a corollary between the two. Like, uh, I'm not as fortunate as Gary to have seen UFO and heard a Yowie, uh, but there are, are more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that we know about. You know, that's a good Shakespeare line. There's so much we don't know. Um, you know, I found uh, when we went to Numbar Valley recently in January, uh, we located this blue lobster. Now, that's not unique but i hadn't seen one and they live out there and not everyone's seen one i went great i've got a picture for this um blue lobster i want to share it with the world and set the world on fire with the blue lobster i came out and capitol hill was on fire so nobody was interested in my blue lobster so you know it's just um you know there are areas that are just strange. You're going, why is this here? Why is that there? And in my mind, I go, I can only deal with one. I'm not going to go for the hairy man. And if a little <laughs> grey man comes in front of me, I say, move out the way. I'm expecting bigger company. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think there's, because there's so much in this world going on that the greater percentage won't acknowledge and unfortunately, these aspects, be it reality, EP, ghosts, orbs, they, they do cross over and, and sometimes a witness will have will have a sighting of, of a Yowie and then there's, there's there's an orb going through the forest at the same time or they see some strange lights in the sky. Are these two topics connected? No, we don't know. It could just be, it could be a coincidental thing of there's, there's a Yowie and there's an ET craft. It just happened to be at the same time. As we know, most people cite these two topics separate from each other. Um, but, however, yes, it does happen that odd things seem to correlate with each other or cross over. Yeah, yeah. It's something that I hear quite a bit in, in encounters where people may see orbs or before or after uh, a Yowie encounter. And a lot of people who come on the show actually say that they see these things as well. Um, a lot of them may not talk about it because, you know, they're, they're coming on the show to talk about their Yowie encounter. You know, that's already kind of fantastical as it is. And to say, oh, by the way, I think I, I saw something like an orb or a UFO floating around as well. They can, it can already push, you know, something that's hard to talk about to that, that next level. So, um, personally, I think it happens a lot, a lot more than people probably realize when it comes to these types of encounters. Um, just you know, it's already so hard to talk about having a Yowie encounter, let alone seeing the something else strange in that that vicinity. If yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 
Uh, sorry, yeah, like Gary, we've been to pubs and things uh, like where we meet up and uh, put gear into, um, you know, the back of your truck. Thank you very much. But it, they were interested in us because we've got the Bigfoot Yowie uh, shirt on. And if we started talking, uh, going, yeah, we saw a UFO, they'd be going, hang on, these guys see everything. You know, the, it. You have a, a fine line of credibility with people that are naturally discerning or even sceptical. What are you going to do uh, by bringing up other really interesting topics into that field and then muddying the water? You know, you try to explain one thing and you don't give them any answers, then you talk about another thing and you don't give them any answers. So it, it's a hard well, thing. The, the, the problem is these things do happen regardless of what people want to believe and or do, do or don't want to believe, these different aspects do happen. So, okay, if you don't want to talk about it, you don't want to talk about it. But unfortunately, there's thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of witnesses, regardless of which aspect, which topic we're talking about, these things do happen. So eventually, we have to talk about it. I, again, like that, that's why Dean started his website because he, he had nowhere to go. So he started his website because... He needed something to 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 basically work with, and from there it's progressed to a situation where people come to us with, with their signings because they can't go to the pub. But the thing is, well, like yeah. the, the, these aspects, orbs and UFOs, like we we do see we do see strange things in the bush that you can't put a finger on. You have no idea what the hell was that? Like, did you hear that? Yeah, I have no idea what that was. Uh, for example, I, I put out, I put out a, an audio recorder in Springbrook for a week, and the recorder it, it it recorded for three days straight. Now, when I was going to this location to put the recorder out, I heard some strange knocking sounds, which told me yes, I think we, I, I have some friends in the forest with me. So I stopped and waited for a bit. It went quiet. I went down a little bit further, and I found two different sides. Not not track impressions, but in two different sides of actual prints. So with 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 a with a a, a break halfway in the foot, the metatarsal break um, on the smaller prints, which, which I think they were size twelve, and the bigger prints was for a size sixteen seventeen. So anyway, I went around the corner, then just cut down this trail, and put the recorder up deep inside this cut down tree and. With the, the rings of the tree, I actually had to bend the ring down and jam the quarter up in there, so there's no way it could have fallen down. Within 20 minutes, you hear bipedal stepping, walk up to the recorder and tap the recorder multiple times. And for hours and hours after that, it'd go quiet, they'd come back, they'd, you could hear bipedal walking around again, walking around again, stomping, grunting, walk up, tap the recorder again. So if, if you can if you can picture the sound when someone taps a microphone, that top, top, top kind of noise. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what's exactly that. So it's pretty it, yeah, here's no. another, yeah. Here's another bit of high stranger. So you can see that Gary's got the finder uh, as his moniker there. There's a good reason why he's called the finder. He finds everything and he's incredible. And that's when I knew that um, he was the man for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I went out and there's one of these great uh, trips with Dean, Gary and Jacob and a bunch of other fellas and um, I had a brand new, brand new uh, two-way radio and uh, when I got back to the car, it was gone and I just thought, oh, no, another bit of gear gone. I, I 
just got the most minimal amount of use from it. And we'd all been down in this um, uh, gully and it was hard going down and even harder coming out because we trekked in so far. We'd heard this, uh, we had this occasion to hear this weird mumbling and bipedal kind of walking and I head off to try and find out uh, what it was and then this big bit of static came over my radio because I didn't have a headpiece and kind of gave my location away and then it, it kind of ceased and we went on with our um, uh, trick and then it was time to make a decision would we go left or right and we knew which uh, way the road was we said if we go this way we're just hemming ourselves in and it's going to take us forever to get out. So we went up to the road, and in that particular section, uh, I lost my radio, but I didn't know it. And so Gary took it on his own behalf a day and a half later to go back down into that really thick bush, and he found my radio. And this is the curious part. This is the high strangeness. You go, Gary. Yes, yeah, so it, it was actually the next morning, uh, sorry, the next afternoon that I went down there. So we're talking roughly a 200-metre trek down back into a valley to a creek. So I got down roughly about 40 metres from, from the bottom down to the creek there, and I had, I had the strangest uh, mechanical it – was, it was like a cross between a, a mechanical and an organic kind of strange sound. I didn't know if it was a call or if it was a, a sound being made by hitting something – it freaked me out enough anyway. I stood there for about 10 minutes just waiting to see if I could hear anything else. I, um, after about 10 minutes or so, I kept going. And lo and behold, I find Buck's radio clipped to a vine right in front of me. And what the the issue with this is that it took me a little bit, but I, I, I found the, the way that we came out of this valley, I found, the, I found that exact route. So I backtracked where we came out. And again, this is going up inclines of 45 degrees and flattens out a bit and goes back 45 degrees. So it literally is on your hands and knees, grabbing trees, grabbing bonds, pulling yourself up out of this valley. So I backtracked down this, and it's probably another five metres I went after, six metres, five, six metres I went after hearing the sound that I find Buck's radio clipped to a vine. The weird thing is, Buck, see, when we, when we all regroup, most of us turn our radios off until we then go off in our different directions again, basically just to save battery and that kind of thing. So, Buck, as you've done, we, we, we regrouped and the day's over where we're climbing back out of the valley together to end the day. So, Buck's turned his radio off and he, there is there's his radio turned on and there is, again, clipped to a line. Now, Buck had this radio clipped to his belt, so we're talking about a metre to 1.1 metres off the ground as you're going up an incline. The radio was clipped at about 1.6 metres, so around about chest height. Right there. Yeah, around right about there, yep. Uh, so it's it perfect eye-line, and the problem was there's no way where Buck's radio was clipped, there's no way, even even if he stood on a line and he, he grabbed his radio, he'd feel it get ripped off his belt and like it bounce up in front of him. He didn't do that. He felt nothing which, yeah, which is also the case. It, 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 like maybe when he moved his leg, it unclipped itself and it fell onto the ground. Um, but all we can come up with is maybe the 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 the, the mumbler, which, as, as Buck said, is like like a really old man. Now, this was witnessed by six of us down in this in this in this creek. 
a really old man with a really, really deep mumble. Very similar to that. Yeah. So all we, can, all we can come up with is, did the mumbler watch us climb out of this valley, notice that buck drop his radio, and clip that radio to the vine for us? And then I'll come back the next day yeah. and find it. The so mumbler help the mumbler. Exactly right. So yeah. it's, it, yeah. it's, it's, it's very strange occurrences like that. And again, I go back to my recorder. Uh, when you listen back on recording, there's you can hear a a metal pipe that that gets hit. There's no metal pipe yet. It's in the middle of the bush. And another sound that is like if um, the, the the teleportation sound from Star Trek when the, when they beam in and out of the ships from what like the old stuff, the old Star Trek, the kind of noise. Wow, that's 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 gonna make you think, doesn't it? Holy crap! It makes you think, and then you just that's that's as far as you go because you got you got no Take answers down. for. It. Yeah, but I mean, there's so many weird things out there that that again, like there's 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 no there's no experts. We're all learning as we're going, so we just got to keep doing what we doing what we do and get what we can get. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a, a question here, and we might make it the the final question for the night because you know there there seems to be a lot of this high strangeness going on because you know that that radio thing that's actually quite quite interesting and and quite odd about how that all happens and you know the the sounds that you've captured on a recorder and and especially you know like those as you say those teleporting type of sounds you know you guys are yowie hunters or yowie researchers but would you guys ever consider maybe expanding more into the the unknown that goes on in the bush as well because do you think there may be a connection with the with those Yowies and and that high strangeness? You know, do you think they are lending to that? I think um, it expands itself. The more you go out there, the more um, mysteries you uncover uh, and find. And uh, it's hard to say what's leading what. Whether we're uh, expanding our knowledge or there's just more to find. More to find is what I think. Mm. Yeah, and uh, well, yeah, going back to these thermals on this ridge line that I captured and Buck captured, you know, when when, when these beings left, um, there was no sound. Like obviously, they turned up and Buck, yeah. Buck around this camera, and there they are. So we, we, we have two two beings of, of eight and a half to nine foot tall, uh, leaving 17 to 18 inch track impressions. In the, like, yes, we did go in the back and have a look around. We found 17, 18 inch track impressions in the ground there. Something that size just up and disappears with no sound. And same as that, same as when when I caught the the other the the the, the first thermals down the front, it was like a bulldozer came down the down the side of the hill. And when it was all over, there was nothing. It wasn't like okay, we watched them move off. And the problem was with 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 with, with the thermals I got, there was nothing to hide behind. Buck Buck's thermals they, they had a lot more bush and tree. Had to cover. They did have yeah. a lot of power. And, um, you know, some people have said, oh, when you run after them, oh, my legs are so scratched up from the way to us. Like, they look like someone's just drawn bush tic-tac-toe on them and it's blood dripping well, everywhere. That's, that's a problem with, 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 with these cameras as well. You, 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 you get blinded when you take the camera yeah. away from them. You can't see anything. So for, for, for a couple of minutes, one I can see, the other I can't. So to be able to just run straight in the bush after them, and not actually not you. You can see 
you can see shadows and stuff like that with bushes um, through the thermal. Once you get closer, you, like, you have to adjust the focus and that kind of thing. And things become a bit more clear, but you cannot see enough to be able to run through the bush. So and it's thick. It's thick. Yeah, it is. And that's that's the thing. Like you know, um, when 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 these beings disappear, like the the thermals I got, they they just disappear. Like I should where I was positioned and where I was watching them from. I watched two of them. One was. I could physically see one grabbing stuff out of the ground and throwing like, with one arm, throwing stuff behind it. I watched that move left, right, left, right, and there was nothing to hide behind. But when they did, when when it was when it was all over and done with, it's like they just disappeared. So I mean, years ago I used to think, yes, they're animals, they're, they're great apes, that kind of thing. These days I believe they're people. But as for all the, the, the strange aspects, I will sit on the fence. I will not say, yes, they can do this. No, they can't do that. I'll sit on the fence because we are still learning so much. And every time we go out, we learn more. Just, just, just like these deep stick symbols, like we, we, have, we have researched the, the rune stones, trying to, trying to match up symbols with the rune stones. We, we, we're now looking into ancient Sumerian. Um, I, I, when we went last time, we heard some possible vocals and I was, Using a phrase, uh, I can't think what it's called right now, but I was using a phrase which basically says, uh, How are you? or How are you? And I was calling that out into the forest, How are you in ancient Sumerian? Me, Gary, friend, how are you? Unfortunately, we got tree knocks from either side of, the, of, 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 of either, either side of us, but unfortunately, that's as far as it went. <laughs> request denied. <laughs> request denied. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're marked you as spam, probably. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, the, you've got to try stuff, and Gary's uh, very, very open to just uh, thinking outside the box, like Dean is, and just um, trying to uh, figure out uh, what type of communication would. Uh, they'd be using the stick thing was uh, curious for me because if you go back to that, there was more than just a stick uh, champion around. It looked like there's, I would say there's some type of message there. And um, it certainly felt like that uh, because the, it wasn't creatures being bored or animals being bored. And we do believe that they're people, that they're for higher intelligence than people credit them for. And the Indigenous folk will tell you so. They say they are people, they're a giant race of hairy people. Absolutely, absolutely. And I remember being taught that way back when I was very, very young. And I think that's a that's a you know that's a that's a huge rabbit hole that we can absolutely go down because yeah. you know when you when you start to go into the Australian history of these types of creatures, it you know goes back to when Australia got colonised. You know, it's. You know, it's there's there's so much history to these creatures, and yeah, that 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 could be a conversation that that we could have for forever. But unfortunately, we've reached the end of our our time slot tonight, there, gentlemen. It it has gone quite quickly. It's uh, it's it's, it's definitely definitely a, a topic that, that the three of us could like another couple of hours. We could just keep talking about it. So it's it's, it's definitely like it gets deeper. We have a lot more stories, a lot more. Yeah. A lot, a lot more involvement with this research that we can just keep going and going. But uh, thank you. And yeah, uh, if those questions, I'm trying to read them all, and I don't know if I can go back later and try and answer some of those. Uh, 
post this, uh, I'll, I'll do that because there's some good questions there, but we've run out of time. And there was a lot of really good questions on the first stream because uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this, this will be spliced together perfectly. That's the magic of podcasting. Uh, but unfortunately, tonight we had some apparent technical difficulties on the on the live side of the, the broadcast. So, um, Gary and Buck, thank you so much for, for coming on the show tonight. I truly appreciate it. It's been such an honor to, to chat with you guys. And um, look, I would love to get you on again because I feel like I could talk to you guys for for hours and hours on end you know it's kind of just hear your war stories and uh man there's nothing better than chatting yowies well before i let you guys uh shoot off there how about we we, we do some plugs because you guys got a, a really great community behind you and um how about you you let us know everyone that's connected to to ayr and, and let's give them a shout out before we uh wrap up tonight yeah, for sure. First, Gary. I'll, I'll go for it. So if you want to find us, you can go to yowiehunters.com. You will find Dean's website. It is insanely amazing. You'll find everything, everything that you need to know there. All information, lots of witness audio reports, lots of uh, map pinpoint uh, sightings as well. A lot of information dating back hundreds of years. You can find us on Australian Yowie Research Official. Otherwise... People that we affiliated with and we we love their support. Cade, obviously, believe Paranormal UFO podcast. Brendan Don over at Paranormal Portal as well. Uh, Craig Zamet, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Wes Germer as well. Cheers for your support, mate. Uh, Sarah Yari Central. Um, the, the 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 community we have around us is awesome. It's great. There's a lot more people. We just keep going. Yari Dan, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, Yari Dan. Thank you for Yari times. All that hard yeah. work, you know. Yeah, and of course, his work in track the documentary. Be careful in the bush, mate. Be careful in the bush. Get there by yourself, mate. Don't forget that. And what we'll do, guys, is uh, we'll leave links to absolutely everyone that you you just kind of shouted out there because you know I, I I listen, I watch every single one of those things that you've just mentioned there. Everyone there is fantastic, and you know it's really great. We've kind of got this little community going on of dead set legends who are all just pumping each other up. I think it's the best thing that's out there because it's. You know what it's like when it comes to the Yowie and the Bigfoot world. There's a lot of dickheads who would punch you down if they can. And uh, we are the complete opposite here. It's uh, everyone's punching everybody up because everyone's doing a, you know, everyone's doing their role. Everyone's doing their part. And I think that's so important. Very much. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's not us. Dean often says it's not up to us to prove that they exist. It's just to provide the evidence you make up your mind. And, um, it may not be us that goes out and gets the footage that uh, stands the world on its head and they go, yep, they're real now, let's move on. Um, it may not be us, but we hope that uh, more people do get out there and take an interest and be careful about it. Don't, don't listen to my tips. But um, take an interest in what's happening out there and be part of this growing communities. There are plenty of people also looking in silence out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the best things that people can do when it comes to this field is, you know, maybe just tell someone about each of the things that each of us do, because you just never know who's going to contact me, contact you guys, contact Yowie Central about the next best big thing that that just turns the world on its head. And that's how everyone helps everyone. Well, what, what people have to remember as well is that with, with the amount of witnesses that, that do come forward to us, it's not, it's, it's not just the average Joe Blood. We have a lot of people who are business professionals 
including doctors, including scientists, including military, and including police. So when you say that people are lying, don't forget you're telling thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people they're lying, and business yeah. professionals in these these, these very high, highly respected positions. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's something that people don't realize. I know we've got to end it, but that's, that's a big, big thing is that so many people have come on my podcast and I'm sure, well, you just said it yourself. You know, these are doctors. I've had a surgeon come on the podcast and tell me that his was a UFO encounter, but it's the same thing. You know, like it takes a lot of, lot of guts and a, a, a lot of heart to come on the show and share these things. And for someone to say, nah, doesn't it's not real because I think it is, man, you can go get stuffed. <laughs> well, unfortunately, the, the world that we are living in is the real world. It's a slightly bigger world, isn't it, Gary? you got hairy friends out there. It just keeps getting more hairy fellas, ETs, ghosts. That's the world we actually live in. It's, it's, it's not the world down the pub. So the world is massive. And once you open up to these ideas and these possibilities, no, you don't have to believe it. But once you open your mind to the possibility, the world gets a lot bigger than you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a great spot to end it tonight there. Gary, Buck, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Let's tee this up again. Let's make this a regular thing because, um, you know, it's a lot of fun and you guys are you guys are great to chat too. And, you know, let's get Dean Maybe on here next time. Coke Steno. Yeah. Let's coach Steno. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for everyone who was uh, watching this and listening back to the episode. And thank you, everyone, in the in the comments here. You guys have been really fantastic. And uh, sorry, we probably should have got some more questions, but time got on us because some of those answers were fantastic. So, all right, guys, thank you so much. And uh, guys, if you do like the podcast, make sure you uh, subscribe and share it with a friend because you never know the person you share it with may become our very next best guest. So with that one there, we're going to leave it and have a fantastic night. And that's going to do it for tonight. And remember, if you have had an encounter, get in touch with me. My email address is believe at ccradio.com.au. Or you can message me on Facebook and that's facebook.com forward slash Believe UFO Radio. Until next time, stay safe and you've been listening to Believe Australian Paranormal and UFO Radio.